0: Hello and welcome back to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so excited to be back sharing brand new episodes with all of you. In today's topic, we are diving into the experience of imposter syndrome as a therapist, I invited my good friend and colleague, Dr. Kelly Vincent, because imposter syndrome is her jam. (laughs) She has such a beautiful way of describing this experience and dives into real tangible ways that you can develop a brand new relationship with imposter syndrome. I know I can relate to this experience, and I know so many of you can too. I know this because every time I put a question box on social media asking what topics you want to see covered, this Comes up all the time. I can't wait to share her and this episode with all of you. So let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Kelly Vincent. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I'm just thrilled to get a chance to spend the next 45 minutes or so chatting with you because I love you so much, and I'm just oh. so glad you're here.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to talk about this,
0: this amazing topic. Oh, yes. Imposter syndrome. Yes. Okay. Before we dive in, though, can you share with our listeners just a little bit about you and the work you do, what inspires you to do the work you do?
1: Yes, sure. So so I'm a licensed psychologist um, and currently in private practice, but becoming a psychologist was not always the plan. I actually worked in digital marketing for about six plus years, um, and then what I had what I call a quarter life crisis, and, essentially just questioned <laughs> all of my decisions thus far, which then led me to this year-long journey of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and what really fulfilled me. And psychology was, was always one of those things that just pulled me in. I was so curious about people and the way that they, they, their minds worked. And so I just took a leap of faith and did a 180 and just went back to school and decided to get my doctorate in clinical psych. And we're going to dive into this topic in a little more detail, but like, hello, imposter syndrome. <laughs> it, it came on strong. So I think that has then sort of led into my clinical work today, where I work um, predominantly with a lot of women um, around sort of anxiety and imposter syndrome, but also depression and trauma, self-esteem, identity, things like that. But yeah, a lot of my current work has been shaped, of course, by my own experiences, which I think a lot of therapists, that's the case, either they've experienced it or someone they love has and they just get really sort of interested in understanding it better. So that kind of has informed my practice, which was just sort of an organic kind of growth in that direction. Um, But I think it's just a really important thing to talk about because so many of us experience it Um, and it's such a struggle or can be such a struggle.
0: Well and what's so interesting is you shared how your you know you had a background that was very different and so mm-hmm. then I can imagine going into school having oh, yeah. a different background and and why that sort of feeling of imposter syndrome could show up around that. But now as a therapist entrepreneur, private practice, like business owner, I imagine that your digital marketing skills actually have really served you and become super relevant, you know? And it's interesting because I always talk about, Hey, as therapists, we go to school and nobody teaches us like the marketing business side of things. And Mm -hmm. that's a big reason why I do the work that I do with therapists, business coaching, modern therapist Academy, because there was none of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I I sort of learned it just because I was in you know, while I was in school, I had this sort of side gig of kind of blogging and doing creative direction and all of that and um yeah. kept it very separate from my therapist identity and then eventually integrated them. Yeah. But I imagine that your background actually eventually really yes. served you, but at the time felt like this just makes me an imposter, which is so, which is so wild to think about, you know.
1: on. I mean, that, that was my experience to a T. Yeah. I remember, I mean, I remember telling my professor, um, one of my favorite professors, I was like, oh, I like literally remember saying, I'm at such a deficit. I know nothing. And she was the one that shed light. She's like, there is what you're experiencing. It's a thing. It's called imposter syndrome. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. I feel like an imposter. So yes, I, all those years, I just struggled so much, just feeling like I came and it's such a deficit. It, it you know, wasn't going to serve me in any ways. And then, yeah, I've, in the last couple of years, have been like, oh my goodness, this kind of came full circle. And this has been so helpful in so many ways. And and then being in the business world prior, there was a lot of different skills that I learned, just professionalism and, you know, things like that, that also served me in in kind of my current practice today. So right. yes, you you never know how, how your experiences will help you later. But, but yes, at that time, I I thought yeah this this yeah I questioned if it was the right route many many times.
0: Okay so imposter syndrome I am I'd love to hear how you understand it like how okay. you define it and then let's unpack it together. Definitely. So yeah so I think the
1: simplest way to describe it is that it is a struggle to internalize your own successes. Um people also tend to have a ton of fraudulent thoughts and feelings about themselves or their work or their worth. Um, and so this this whole idea, it actually um was coined back in the 70s. So like I think 78, two two clinicians Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, they were working with 150 very established women, um, like accolades for days. They, they they pretty much were super successful. But these these clinicians started to kind of just take in these clinical observations of these women. And there was this theme that most of them felt like frauds and they felt like complete imposters. And people were going to eventually find out that they actually didn't know what they were talking about, whatnot. So this they called it imposter phenomenon started to sort of come out like, oh man, this is, this is a big thing for women. And then later they realized that, you know, it spans across genders and cultures and um, it doesn't discriminate, you know, who, who it impacts. So it's, it's just a real struggle to, to have that sense of confidence in yourself that um, you have the skills, you, you are capable, that you are worthy enough of this role or this new business or whatnot. You really just struggle with believing that. Um, and then that creates all kinds of things, anxiety, and it sometimes limits us from you know, jumping into something new or being vulnerable. Um, so it's hard. It's really, really hard. Oh my
0: goodness it yeah. can be it can be one of those passengers in the journey of life mm-hmm. that just throws so many really painful blocks in our way as we're moving yes. forward towards something that you know maybe is that we're really passionate about or excited about or hopeful around. Hey there, your host Dr. Cassidy popping in real quick. I'm sitting out in my backyard and Maybe this doesn't have the best sound quality for recording a podcast, but I don't know. It's so nice out today. The baby's napping, and maybe you can pretend like you're sitting out here with me and listening to the birds and the wind chimes, and I don't know. Hopefully, the sound quality's not too bad, but I want to pop on real quick and talk to you about my Three digital courses for therapists that are opening their doors next Wednesday, May 19th. So my first course, the Crafted Practice, formerly known as Modern Therapist Academy. This is your Private Practice Roadmap. This is for those of you who are therapists and coaches and really want a guide to opening up a modern private practice that covers everything from all the startup to the marketing, the modern marketing getting an email list, getting on social media, building out your website and branding, and then all of the stuff to support you from burning out so that your practice can be really sustainable. So this course also offers guidelines for boundaries and just how to craft a business that fits the life that you want to build. This is why I changed the name of it. It was not an academy. It was a course and a roadmap that really supported folks in crafting a business that aligns with them. And there's a lot of ways in this course in which you can take really creative steps to build the business that fits for you. So I changed the name to The Crafted Practice and I'm also opening the doors to my course for Established Therapists, the Established Therapist Toolkit. This is the one for those of you who are just looking for the marketing stuff because you've already built out your business but you're really looking for support in finding ways to scale your business, diversify your income, maybe you wanna find new ways to market with some modern twists like getting on social media, maybe you wanna build out a digital course as part of your business, then that's the course for you. And then of course I also have my mini but comprehensive course for those of you looking to start a podcast called Podcasting for Therapists. So the doors to all three open next Wednesday and then the doors close about 10 days later, um, it's self paced, so you can go at your own pace. Um, but the doors only open three times a year. So, if you want to join the wait list for any of those, then click on the link in our show notes here. All right, let's get back to the episode. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. So, it's interesting. I was just interviewed last week um, about imposter syndrome on okay. another podcast, and <laughs> I talked. <laughs> I talked about, I named you a few times because like yeah. there's a part of me that came up and felt like an imposter mm-hmm. um, because like you should be interviewing Kelly for this. Like this is her like bread and butter, yeah. <laughs> but it's just yeah. so funny how it shows up it's all so the time. Fun. It of literally course. showed up about you. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's imposter syndrome. It just gets loud and yeah. So, oh my gosh. But okay. So here's, here's some thoughts that I have on it. Like when I was really, you know, reflecting on imposter syndrome, my own experience with it and, um, for The podcast I was interviewed on last week, the thing that kept coming up for me was I really found myself having an issue with the word syndrome because Uh imposter syndrome itself, it's not a diagnosis, right? Like it can be a symptom, it can definitely be connected to things like anxiety, depression.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's not a diagnosis itself. And and here's the thing that I have a problem with, with the word syndrome. Yeah. It kind of g- gives this sense of like, there's something wrong with yeah. you. Like when I think of a syndrome, I think of like, there's something That's wrong inside of me. Inside yeah. of me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so if I have imposter syndrome, it just sort of reinforces this idea that like, there's mm-hmm. something wrong with me. Oh, Totally. Yeah. And like yeah. the way that I really view the issue around imposter syndrome, I mean, you look at that original research back in the 70s. I mean, yes, absolutely, right? Like it goes across genders and gender identities. Mm-hmm. And, but at the time, they were looking at really successful women, mm-hmm. whom mm-hmm. at the time, unfortunately, right? Like, <laughs> were being a woman and being successful mm-hmm. were things that yeah. were more of a rarity, quote unquote, at the time because Uh of gender and power and
1: sexism Uh and
0: all of these things. And I just – I think that we can't look at imposter – and I hate, I don't even want to use the word right, yeah. the, the imposter experience. We can't look at that outside of the context of the discourse and messages that we as women and we as mm-hmm. humans, right? With all of the ways, with all of the intersections of our identities, how that, how those discourses impact, right? The messages oh, that we yeah. receive based oh, yeah. on the identities that we hold, right? Yeah. And yeah. gosh, instead of looking inward and like, gosh, what's wrong with me that I'm experiencing this thing and that I feel like such a fraud, I want to like – I want to I want to turn the mirror outward to see well yeah. where did I learn? Where oh did I gosh, learn yeah. that like this that yeah. I that I have to be X, Y, and Z in order to be considered successful? That mm-hmm. um that I'm an imposter, I'm gonna be found out. Like just oh, it's yeah. I don't know.
1: Would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I could yeah, I couldn't agree more with all of that. And I think the the syndrome part, um I actually don't know exactly when that started to be part of mainstream of how to describe it because originally they described it as the imposter phenomenon. Yeah. They didn't even turn a syndrome and I think in modern day those sort of ways of describing it were sort of interchangeable, but you're absolutely correct. It's not a diagnosis. It's not in the DSM. It's not, you know, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It's a, it's a human experience that so many of us have had. So I tend to kind of think of it as like what you said a second ago, the imposter experience or experiencing imposter related thoughts and feelings. Right. So Mm. yeah, I think it, in some, somewhere in sort of mainstream media, the syndrome got attached to it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of took off, you know. It might, who knows? Actually, I should look into that. That's
0: it's clickbaiting. I mean, if I, yeah. if I hear about a syndrome True. and I resonate with the word imposter, I'm gonna click that, you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> be like, what's mm-hmm. wrong with me? Because I want to totally. know what's wrong with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could totally see that just kind of coming up with sort of the mainstream media. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think to the element with with women and and the original research is so spot on, too. Right there, especially during that time, gender roles and um, how things how women were socialized, how they internalized, you know, um, who they were, what their worth was, especially as it relates to professional careers. Um, is a big piece. And and Valerie Young is one of the the researchers that I've done a lot of reading on. And she, in her book, um, her book, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, I think it's called, um, she goes into that like a lot more detail um, as it relates to the gender piece. And um, so yeah, understanding the roots is so important. Try and understand in your specific roots, like where is this coming from? What belief systems is it attached to? What, you know, maybe attachment is it attached to, or societal expectations and norms, all those things definitely file into that one little voice that's saying, nope, you're a fraud. Nope. You don't know enough. (laughs) Sit down, (laughs) that kind of thing. So yeah, that's super important.
0: Yeah and I think it's it's so valuable to take a moment to pause and reflect and to do the work around understanding that little imposter voice if we were to pull that part of us out and sit it across from us like what's mm-hmm. the story that it's going to share right mm-hmm. like what are what are the collection of experiences that this little part of us is going to speak to and, and shed a light on. Right. And sometimes exactly. it's scary to do that. Cause that like, for me, I know oh, that yeah. that part of me kind of hides out in the corners, so like cobwebs. Oh, wow. um, hey, but yeah. it's it can still be a pretty loud voice. And when I know for myself, as I've done my own work around this experience, when I pull this part of me out and I, I really look at it, it's like a much younger version of me, oh, um, yeah. for me. Yeah. And it's it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's like an, I don't know, it's like nine, 10, 11 mm-hmm. years old. Those are really, those are just mm-hmm. really tough years, oh, I think, in too. general. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that that part of me still, still as an adult, right, in so many different ways, takes my new experiences and is afraid that I'm mm-hmm. going to be found out as an imposter still. Yeah. Yes. You know, and yeah. I, for me, doing the work around exploring that part of myself and the story it has to share and, the kind of collection of experiences, one of the first things that comes up for me is connected to family of origin, which, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I think is definitely um, something as a, you know, I'm a systemic thinker, a family yeah. therapist, yeah. so I'm yeah. always interested <laughs> in the impact of the systems around us, yes. family being one of those. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll share this, this story with you. Um, when I was born, my, my father bless his heart. I love him so much. And mm-hmm. I the, the I am part of the woman I am today is in so much thanks and gratitude to right. him and the way that he raised me. Because right. when I was born, he had a sign made. And this sign said, welcome home, future first woman president, oh. Cassidy Riley. <laughs> that's <what> I mean. <laughs> a little and- pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, bless, bless his heart yeah. because he from 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 yeah. the moment I was born, he yeah. believed yeah. that women could do anything, and uh-huh. that I could hold the highest office in the right. land. Right. and that was like, and that that, yeah. that 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 was a in so many ways an empowering message that mm-hmm. I received over and over again as mm-hmm. a child, and and has followed me into adulthood.
1: Yeah,
0: and and at the same time, the pressure. Oh, right, yeah. of like yeah. neat, and you know, both my parents, um, attorneys, my mom went on okay. to become a judge,
1: right. you know, it's
0: very, very high achieving. Yep. Um, and yep. you know, it's mm-hmm. as, a, as a child, you internalize mm-hmm. this, and it was around the age of nine, 10, 11, where school started to get just a little bit harder mm-hmm. and maintaining the ex- the perfect. Mm-hmm. straight A's, right? Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. much harder. And it got to the point where for me in college, I would have panic attacks yeah. over yeah. anything less than an A. Right. I was, I would, I had insomnia. I mean, right. I am yeah. definitely a recovering perfectionist and uh-huh. <laughs> striving good enough is it took so <laughs> yeah. long to unhook yeah. myself from that, and it definitely the perfectionism, um, mm-hmm. and maybe you could speak to the different ways that imposter syndrome can show up. I know perfectionism is one of those, yeah. um, but it definitely has um, has sort of become as a part of the story that this part oh, yeah. of myself yeah. shared. Right? I it's mean, like, yeah, yeah. I and just wanted to make them proud. I wanted to give yeah. And about, that's what you know?
1: every child, you know, essentially wants to make their parents proud. And they want their parents to love them and support them. And and even though it was a beautiful message of, a, of empowerment, it also, like you said, can get internalized in different ways. And I actually had somewhat similar, but different, um, same thing, actually, my dad, right? He, w- he was more of the type where, um, you know, I got the message of like, I'd come home with my A minus all like proud as a peacock. And then he'd be like, well, why didn't you get an A? And, mm-hmm. and to him, it was more of like, you know, you, you saw so much potential and you could always do better, but it mm-hmm. got internalized where nothing was enough and it was never good enough, right? Unless mm-hmm. it was perfect. So yeah, the understanding these roots and untangling them um, can be so helpful because then we get to separate ourselves of like, oh, this makes sense. Like this makes sense while I'm feeling this way. It's not that I'm like, you know, something's wrong and there's like, you know, um, i have some sort of deficit it's it's rooted in these stories and these belief systems and these messages that were given to us at such a young age when our brain had a hard time even processing that all right because our brain doesn't fully develop until what 24 25 right. so yeah. it's it's much harder for us to understand at those ages we just kind of you know take take away the bigger message and then it kind of just Integrates into to how we think, feel, and behave. But um, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And so at the same time that I am, you know, receiving this, at the, I was a baby, so I didn't know that he made this had this sign mm-hmm. made. But it became a big story in our family, right? Just like stories become right. stories in families. And at the same time, my young brain is also out in the world, um, breathing in the air of <laughs> sexism mm-hmm. and misogyny, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. And, and gender inequalities and. I am, I don't know that that's what I'm breathing in, breathing out right. every day because it's just like the air, right? It's right. all around us, these messages, yep. while also trying to make sense of the fact that I am going, and, and until I have memories of being in the fourth grade and, tell, and wanting to be the first woman president yeah. or like I wanted, yeah. maybe a woman would be before me, but I wanted to be the president of the United States. Like yeah. that was yeah. my job that I was going to have my dream Mm -hmm. and there's still time there's (laughs) right I I think I think I went on a different path that I feel really good about (laughs) Um, but you know I think that at the same time trying to my young mind like understand also all the all the messages that I'm receiving about what it means to be a woman and Uh all of the obstacles that are going to be in front of me. um And, and, oh gosh, I mean, I look back at myself then and I just want to go scoop her up. And it's my dad and I, and my parents have talked about these things now and, and, and gosh, like seeing them, seeing now how they talk to my children after, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had these conversations with them about some of the impacts and it's been very, very healing for all of us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, That's
1: so amazing.
0: But it was definitely something that, followed me into oh, yeah. college, into graduate school, mm-hmm. into my career as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the different ways that imposter syndrome can show up. I know that Valerie Young has shared like these different kinds of sides of imposter syndrome and they're definitely interrelated, right? Yeah, super interrelated. And
1: and a handful can resonate with, with so many people. Usually it's not just one. But yeah, she so she created these five types and she didn't create them. It was based on decades of, of her clinical observations, because she would do, um, so essentially, she's researched this topic, I think, since her graduate days. And then yeah. she went on and did all these workshops around imposter syndrome. So she was collecting data over decades and decades. And she came up with these five sort of themes or five, for five sort of types of imposter syndrome, and they're all related to how we um, look or how we understand how to be competent, right? So they're very, um, it's, it's the way that we see how to be successful and how to be competent. So for example, there's the perfectionist, which it's just like it sounds, you know, in order to be competent, we must be perfect or everything that we do must be perfect Then there's the natural genius. So this person feels that they the only way to be competent is if they understand things, you know, right away, or you know, once they read something in a book, they can completely comprehend the information and then regurgitate it or whatnot. So this ability to just naturally understand. I
0: can relate to that so so much, and we'll we'll touch on this later. But like sometimes when I see people hop on social media, like other therapists, and they just kind of talk about certain topics just like so naturally, and I'm like. Like you are really smart, and I—I I don't know if I'm as smart as you, and I don't know yes. if I could have spoken so naturally about oh. that. But like, who know Like, I don't know how many retakes they took to, like, you know. Oh. Get, but but oh, anyway. What? Or
1: how seasoned they are in that right. topic, right? Which is right. funny because like I even watch your videos and I think that about you, right? Oh so I'm like, oh my gosh, like she knows this stuff so well, right? Like, yeah, we can dive it's into so been, the therapist yeah. implications. But yes, like you know, so and we're all thinking that of each other, which mm. is which is so interesting. But so yes, yeah, yeah. so the natural genius, there's the expert, which this is the one that that really gets me. So the expert, in order to be competent, you essentially have to know everything. <laughs> you have to you have to have all the knowledge. So for instance, like this imposter stuff, it's like, okay, if you're going to go on podcasts and talk about this, you better know everything. You better read all the books. You better understand it backwards and forwards in order to look and to feel competent or for people to view you as competent. So there's that one. There's also the soloist. So this person is, in order to be competent, they um, have to do it on their own. Mm. So unaided in any sort of support when in reality, most things take, you know, a village to do. Everything. Then, like, <laughs> like, every, we're, like, literally, we everything. are
0: like social beings and we need support and that's, yeah. we need each other, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, that shows up for me for sure. When it relates to a lot of things, but I'm thinking yeah. about motherhood in particular.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a big one. And the the last one is very related to motherhood too, where, um, I mean, originally she coined it like superwoman, but I kind of reframed it as super person because I think it can span across. But this person is like, Um, In order to be competent, they have to juggle all these things and they have to do all of the things well, right? So that's Mm -hmm. such a classic example of moms, right? We have to be the best mom and then we have to be the best in what we're doing as our career and then we have to, you know, all the things. And then this expectation, and usually all five of these types just have really high expectations. They're like what Valerie kind of considers sort of extremists. So there's these extreme expectations of what we're supposed to um, be able to do when in reality it's it's completely unrealistic. Um, so yeah, and, and people can kind of resonate with multiple, but um, she, she kind of mentions that usually we gravitate towards one. There's usually a primary. Um, that kind of talks a little bit louder than the others, but you can totally see, I see myself in all five.
0: Oh, I uh, see myself in all of them too. But it's yeah. interesting that as you were speaking, the, and, and the natural, like I think, and I always, I always talk in parts, but the part of me that was like, oop that's it. Um, Mm -hmm. that's, that's definitely a big one was the natural genius. And I think that, um, the, like, you know, our brains are so cool. So the minute, like you said that word and the minute that part of me kind of connected with it, my brain started like bringing forward all of these Mm -hmm. memories and like ideas and and images. And what comes to mind is, you know, I think that my, I think that my parents really, saw me, I mean, from day one, like a uh, future president, right? Like right. She, yeah. she's going to be something, she's going to be really special yeah. and really smart and really bright and just like extraordinary. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was such a lovely sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm human and yeah. I'm messy and yeah. I'm imperfect and yeah. I um, don't know everything, and right. I'm always learning and unlearning. And right. I, I think that I really felt like I was supposed to be a natural genius, yeah. and that like, oh, yeah. I mean, they all and they're all related, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, because totally. then I'm afraid of being not a natural genius. And so fear, you know which means, shows yeah. up as perfectionism, mm-hmm. like to keep me safe, right? Yep. If I'm perfect, then I'm safe. Like, so they're all connected, but 100%. yeah, yes. it definitely shows up for me and definitely shows up for me in my career mm-hmm. um, that I need to be able to juggle all the things and I need to do it without help. If I get help, oh, then yeah. did I really yeah. do it? Yeah. Like,
1: did you do it completely a hundred percent? And do you deserve the credit? Oh yeah. And there's definitely too, like, the other part of all this is sort of the cycle that we go through. And so and usually the cycle starts with some sort of achievement-related experience of some kind. And then it ignites the anxiety, right? Because just like you're talking about, it triggers all these roots and all these expectations of ourselves and these stories of what we're supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera, which then leads us into either overworking. So mm-hmm. here comes maybe the expert reading all the books, you know, staying up super late, whatever, or the perfectionist. Um, or it, it makes us procrastinate, just sort of avoid it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like this, I know this is going to be so hard, that kind of thing. And then you kind of go into the task and you do it and then you kind of feel a sense of relief. And then usually because you probably are who you are and do really well, you probably get positive feedback But that's where it just bounces right off of you it doesn't get internalized. And so it's just this loop around and around and around to where you're just, you know, headed towards like major burnout mode. Um, Mm. and it's, yeah, it's just such a wear and tear on the mind and the body.
0: I'm so glad you named that because that is such a huge part of the cycle is not internalizing, Mm -hmm. um, the things that, you did really well, that you deserve yeah. to slow down and honor, right? right? Um. Oh, my gosh. That is such a huge part of it. And I think that, yeah, I know for me sometimes experience could show up like, okay, well, I had this goal and, you know, hopefully it was a goal really informed by my values and a really meaningful benchmark and I achieve it, I reach it, and then it's like on to the next. Like, Totally. There's no, yeah. like, there's no, like, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember- or- or a huge part would be
1: like, um, uh, and then this is also from Valerie Young, but she talks about a huge piece of it is um, explaining away our success. Right. So you reach that goal, you hit that target and you're like, ah, it wasn't that, you know, okay. It wasn't that big of a deal or, oh, I just got lucky because so-and-so did this or that. Right. So instead of being like, no, I worked really hard. I put so much effort, so much energy, so much love, so much intention. And here's the result. And the result is what I was hoping for. And like, Damn, I'm proud of myself, right? Like we don't usually stop and have that dialogue with ourselves. Just like you said, mm-hmm. on to the next. Like what's the next sort of goal? Um, because usually we're searching for that sense of fulfillment or um, content or happiness or whatever it may be, um, but yet it doesn't come because we we often kind of just breeze right over it. Um mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, oh my goodness. Yep. I I mean I'm thinking about when I Graduated from my PhD program and defended my dissertation. Mm-hmm. I sat for my licensing exam like two weeks before that, which is just like I think about it, I'm like that was that's insane. That's like, a lot. For my licensing <laughs> exam, yeah. while also preparing to defend my dissertation. While and also didn't you being, also have a baby? I did. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> what? Like that's. I, I, I was, yeah. and, and, and the thing is, is that. I, I I remember looking, I remember at the time people just reflecting on like, you're doing a lot and oh my gosh. And and there was a lot of pride coming Mm -hmm. from my parents and, Mm -hmm. and from other people in my life too. And I remember just, Thinking, yeah, but I'm doing a lot, but I'm doing none of it well. Is how it mm-hmm. felt, you know, mm-hmm. like You're not enough. Um, yeah. And even though I passed my licensing exam, I passed my dissertation. Like it got published.
1: Right. I, re- which <laughs> then- is huge. Most people's dissertations don't get published. They're not good enough to be published. I mean, that no. that alone is I, huge.
0: I I never took a moment to just wow. be like, whoa, look what I'm doing, mm-hmm. or to say. Hey, girlfriend, take something off your plate. It's okay. Uh, Like, you don't need to get licensed right now. Like, you don't. Oh my gosh.
1: I mean, I had such a similar experience. And I think, too, that, and we can talk about this maybe a little later, but like that graduate school environment, I think also just creates this like machine, right? And usually, I think Mm, like there's certain personality styles that, Tend to go into graduate school, not all the same, but you know, there's just this like, it it generates this machine of like, okay, the next thing, the next thing. But I did the same thing. It was like, I got, license and then I had a baby and then I opened a practice and then I opened a co-working space and then I wrote a journal and then I did yoga training like it's just so uh-huh. intense and then it's like you finally potentially have a little bit of breathing room you know when you do the work or when you're really reflecting you're really understanding or at least maybe you're just giving yourself time you're like oh my gosh like and I mean, so I much like of that you like you and, and I are just even it. just
0: talking like we're just we're like you and me are even talking really fast right now like I think yeah. it's just like a reflection <laughs> of just like this little yeah. this part of us that's just like faster, 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 uh-huh. more, 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 not uh-huh. enough, not enough. Like, uh-huh. and what happens, what happens, oh, see, I'm going to breathe and slow down. Like what yeah. happens is that like, I see you doing all this stuff. I don't, I don't know all the behind the right. scenes. Yep. I am comparing my real life, my feelings of burnout, Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. feeling of like, I don't know if I have the capacity to add another thing or to do more, but I'm comparing my real life to what I see you sharing or what others are talking about or sharing. And it just, it keeps this syndrome going right Mm -hmm. of like something wrong with me like how come they seem to be able to do all of this and to do it so well and to have the capacity for more and what's you know this past year with the pandemic like has been so devastating for so many and it's been for you know in our own ways in our own home it's been hard um being postpartum and having the kiddos and everything yeah. But what it has also offered me <laughs> is an opportunity to slow down because mm-hmm. and this is so I, this is so sad to even admit. But because everybody else has kind of had to slow down, yeah, too. give you permission, right? Like, and that's like, okay, yeah. wow. and, and and trust me, there's still way, especially when it comes to social media. I think so many people are now pouring themselves into. Other things I had already been been doing, like showing up on social media, offering digital offerings. And so I see, oh, I I need, you know, other people are really pumping, you know, like like putting on the speed on those things. But so I've had to really kind of like remind myself that you are in this season. You just had a baby. like Right it oh, is yeah. okay, okay to slow down. Yes. You're not going to get left behind. And like mm-hmm. even if you do, maybe that wasn't the like thing you were supposed to keep up with anyway. Right. Like That's
1: and so it's true. just
0: but I, mean, I mean I mean I'm just even talking about like, you know, it, going on all the trips and like going to all the birthday parties yeah. and like make having my kids scheduled in all the activities and being involved in all the parent school <laughs> things. Like, all the things. Yeah. Right. just this year, there weren't those things. And it was just this like, oh, to breathe. And there's a part yeah. of me that actually feels a little anxious about things opening up again and picking mm-hmm. up again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I really want to be intentional mm-hmm. in how I go back into the world. Yeah. And and day. now,
1: I mean, I think that because I'm same. Same, 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 right? I think the pandemic helped and also my youngest, you know, he got to an age where I had a little bit more space and yeah, you know, and going back to the Instagram thing, you see, you know, a certain level of production and you think, you know, X, Y, and Z, but like, even for me, it's like, well, I wasn't sharing all these gut health issues that I've had that I was trying to to manage because of the stress and anxiety God. I put myself under or, right. Wow. So, so those other pieces aren't being shared and it just looks like it's just this easy thing happening just organically for certain people. And in reality, there's so much more behind it, but when you are forced to slow down, then there's that the reflection and then it comes to the point where you know, too much, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. you, you saw too much in this moment of kind of stillness and quiet and giving yourself a bit of a break. And so to, you know, at least that's (laughs) what I'm hoping for myself, that when things do start to kind of ramp back up in sort of the quote unquote normal way of life, that at least I'll kind of have that thought of like, okay, you know too much. You can't get yourself back there because back Mm. there didn't work for you. It sent your body into a nosedive. It sent your mind into a nosedive. Like that's not working. So hopefully with, you know, the insight and the understanding of, of you and your values and your goals and whatnot, and for me too, that it, it just continues to evolve, but in a direction that's so, so much more nourishing, so much more serving and so much more like realistic. It's right. just not realistic to go the million miles a
0: minute. It's oh just my not. Goodness. It's not. Yeah, it feels I like it,
1: It's just not.
0: Yeah. And for a therapist, I think there's, you know, with therapist development there's these different sort of stages um and I don't think they Mm -hmm. necessarily go like stage one stage two stage three like sometimes I feel like I'm in stage one again you know so because I'm always learning and learning more and relearning but I definitely know that when I was first training to become a therapist there were those first few sessions that first year where I was just (laughs) like oh my gosh the Mm -hmm. imposter room was thick of feeling like um are you yeah. really gonna pay me for what just happened? Like totally. as as, or should I like,
1: pay you? <laughs> or should I
0: pay you? Like, and just you know, yeah. um using the intervention that was just taught in class that morning oh, because yeah. I totally. was like today totally. we're doing a genogram, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And oh then and then just feeling like, oh my gosh, like I'm not being intentional, like I mm-hmm. like. Like, wait, what's a treatment plan? Like, mm-hmm. who wasn't someone supposed to teach me this? Like, shouldn't mm-hmm. there be a plan? Mm-hmm. Um, what theory am I really going oh, to align yeah. with? Like, in terms right. of how I, what I think is going to support this client, and what really aligns with my sort of my sort of approach, like what is my approach? And oh my gosh, it can be so challenging at that level, but I, it can, it can creep in and show up and jump in the driver's seat throughout your career. I mean, I know that, you know, stepping into private practice, definitely it showed up like, who am I to like, think consider myself a business, you know, an entrepreneur and like, how am I going to Get clients right when I don't right. have somebody like handing them to me, right. um, and when I don't have supervision anymore, oh, gosh, I don't yes. have, yeah. like someone to you know tell me if I'm doing it right or not. You know, I think that for so long you're in school and you have, you get grades. So, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. it was right, or it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you have a supervisor that mm-hmm. can, you know, hopefully guide you and isn't just telling you you're wrong. <laughs> right. Hopefully, yeah, but, right. like, okay. but it still feels like you're getting that feedback. And oh, then, yeah. you know, private practice can be really isolating. And, and even mm-hmm. in agency work, I'm sh- I know there's different ways that it can show up. Oh, um, yeah. And oh. then, and then, you know, I just, at, at, you know, if you decide to expand and you decide you want to put on a workshop or start a podcast or get on social media or create a digital course, yeah. I mean, imposter syndrome, it's coming along for the ride, yes. right? Like yes, this is a part of us that is connected to perfectionism, connected to fear, connected to, um, you know, our, our experiences and the stories of mm-hmm. our lives, and the narratives mm-hmm. of our lives. So it's coming along for the ride, right, Kelly? Yes. What can we do? What can yeah. we do about it? And also it? I'll just add to, before we come to
1: the, to the yeah. solution part, but also just new, new things right? Oh, like yeah. new transitions. And, and I like how you describe even like the, the evolution of a therapist, right? Of course, it makes so much sense as a student. And then right when you get licensed and your first client, like all those are really intense. And of course, you're going to feel like a fraud. But even when you're more seasoned and, you, and you're venturing into new avenues of your business or whatever it may be, or, or maybe you're doing a new training like EMDR or something, it's going to show up again. And I think it's so important to, to remind yourself that the goal is to decrease the intensity and the frequency versus ridding ourselves because you're spot on, like it's going to show up because it's tied to all those things. And even though you can work on those things and soothe and heal, it still will show up because at the end of the day, when something's really new, we do feel like a fish out of water. We do feel a little fraudulent because we we aren't as experienced. And that is normal, like so, so normal.
0: Right and it's wired you know we're we're all wired to compare like comparison oh, yeah. is something we're wired for because in any new situation what are you going to do naturally you're going to naturally look to others to see okay what are the spoken or unspoken rules here like right. what is the right like what what are people doing like what is considered quote unquote, right, or successful, yeah. um, you know, and so we're wired to do that as a way to try to make sense of the world and the experiences around us. And, you know, a lot of times I think, especially now we have access to so many um, we have access to people's highlight reels, especially oh, yeah. oh, and yeah, so highlight we are levels. comparing our wherever we're at and our real messy lives and situation to somebody else's highlight reel. And 100%. you mentioned EMDR. I remember, yeah. uh, gosh, getting trained in EMDR and all those feelings flooded in of imposter syndrome because uh-huh. I'm just like, this feels like a really potent intervention that uh-huh. I really has a lot of... Um, so much potential and such a beautiful and so powerful, but like, gosh, that feels almost scary Mm -hmm. and I want to do it right. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, while I was going through the training and I was, um, you know, getting supervision around it, I was talking about it on social media that I was getting training on it and people had a lot of questions. And so as I was doing the training, I was sharing what I was learning as a way to demystify this right, yeah. really effective that. trauma treatment. But I, and I, I remember though, people were share, like, I had a whole highlight on it and people were sharing, sharing it a lot. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, what if, what if, like, <laughs> what if I got it wrong? Like, I, like, I'm, I'm just learning this too. And I tried to be very transparent about that. Um, yeah. But still that, but, right, and, again,
1: and you're human right? Yeah. And you're human. So maybe it wasn't like, perfectly, you know, and it probably was really great, right? You're, what you're <laughs> thinking is you're good enough is someone else is perfect. But right. it's, it's just funny because we, you know, it is scary, right? It's scary to, especially I think in the social media world and because I think therapists, I mean, the th- whole therapist being on social media is is relatively new. That has been sort yeah. of something that's evolved in the last just couple of years, but it's been, it's then sort of created this like expertise kind of view. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think I ever view myself as an expert in anything because I'm always learning. Right. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, when people are just learning things for the for the first time, they do view you as an expert. But at the end of the day, we are human as well and we're constantly learning and evolving. But yes, there's that tendency to want to make it perfect because yeah, if people are going to share it, you're like, I hope it's right. Um, but it's And it's, it's so public,
0: you know. So and I think public. Yeah, I think as clinicians, so much of the work that we do is behind closed doors and private. And trust oh, me, yeah. poof, imposter syndrome shows up behind those closed doors oh, too. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. but also as we as we take out more space, as we yeah. step into the arena as mm-hmm. as mental health um, providers and clinicians, which we haven't done previously, it's. It it's it can feel it can feel scary for sure. 100%, yeah. One thing though that I will often say to um, the therapists that are either in my classes because I teach or mm-hmm. in my supervision groups is, you know, I learned so much from them because there is so, there is really something about the beginner's mind, right? Where you're just learning things and you see things from this fresh perspective. And and you're also in school, you're learning things that are like very current, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And so I learned so much from my students and from my supervisees, you know, and just and I try to remind myself of that too, whenever I'm yeah. beginning at something that like, there's also something really fresh, um, about the beginner's mind and that perspective that you bring to the table too, Right. You know? oh, so just yeah. for anyone who's just starting off in anything. I wanted to share that message. Yes.
1: Too. It's so true. It's so true. And you know more than you think, you know, mm-hmm. and you have more to offer than you, than you give yourself credit for. Uh-huh. I mean, I have to tell myself that. Every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> every every day. Um, but yes, so true. So true.
0: All right. So what can we do about this, Kelly?
1: What can we do about it? Well, so so the first disclaimer was we're not reading it completely. We're decreasing right. the intensity and frequency. But and especially all the therapists out there, like we we know that there's so many ways, right? There's so many different tools and coping and and there's so many different things. But I think it's what's important with this experience is figuring out what works for you. What, what resonates with you. And I think some of my go-to, like I have like three sort of go-to that have really resonated with me um, and some of my clients too. But I think that first one that we've already talked about is getting to the roots. So yeah. understanding where this voice is coming from, what is it wrapped up in, what is it tied to, how can you kind of detangle that so you just give yourself more insight and more understanding of what it is because then you can separate your, yourself from it. So right. That is so important. I think the second one, again, for the therapists out there, we do this all day for our clients, so why can't we do it for ourselves, but normalize. Normalize. Mm-hmm. Normalize. Mm-hmm. it yeah. is normal to feel like a fraud, especially when something is new. So I think that is so important. Um, and then the third one, I kind of come from a more mind body approach and really kind of thinking about the body and bringing that in. But if we kind of think mind body, the mind piece, I think, you know, one of the most powerful things, even though it sometimes feels kind of simple, and maybe not as impactful over time, the idea of reframing, what we're thinking, and, you know, that power of and, so I feel like a fraud, and this is super Mm -hmm. new, so it makes sense, type of um, dialogue internally can be so impactful. And then it starts helping to change the brain and the neural connections and create sort of these new, new sort of stories about it. Um, So I think reframing is huge. And I think with the body piece, because imposter, or at least the way I conceptualize it is that imposter syndrome sort of sits under the anxiety umbrella, right? So anxiety Mm -hmm. is, is part of our stress response. And I think imposter syndrome or the way I think of it is, is a type of anxiety. So often with anxiety, our sympathetic nervous system gets activated. So that fight flight, our body kind of responds. We start to feel all kinds of uncomfortable physical sensations, which is going to make the mind feel a little chaotic. So we can do anything to Ground ourselves and sort of recalibrate the physical body. I think that can be really helpful, especially in the moment, right? So, like you know, before you go on a podcast, <laughs> maybe doing <laughs> some deep breathing and you know extending that exhale and activating the parasympathetic, which is more the rest and digest. Or maybe it's exercise or whatever it may be to kind of help calm the physical sensations because that that can be almost just as debilitating as some of the thoughts. Mm. Um, so those are kind of my like. Go to so the roots, getting to the roots, normalizing it, and then sort of those mind-body approaches, um, and of course with the mind-body, there's so many, um, and just finding kind of what works for you, I think, is best. But, um, but yeah, it's a process. That's another thing I'll say. It doesn't go away overnight, and right. like you said, it can pop up um, in different points of our life and our career. Um, but when we kind of shore ourselves up with more tools and more understanding, it's it's often not as intense
0: or it's not as debilitating
1: which again is the goal or at least my goal
0: my goodness we are we are in alignment kelly i just (laughs) everything you just said is so powerful the getting to the roots um and i think that in part of that it's it is externalizing that part right and uh, for me i'm very visual um and actually visualizing this part of me tends to bring like it humanizes it and it kind of brings in and compassion for that part Um, and then listening to the story that that part has to share which um, oftentimes is connected to you know the systems around us that have Mm -hmm. impacted right and have become internalized uh, messages and ideas and um, discourses and then and then being able to create that space is going to help you recognize there's also the you that can then in these moments recognize that you were having this experience and, and I love how you describe the mind-body connection and how, you know, this part of us has this whole like circuit memory in our body, uh-huh. right? Um, yeah. Our body keeps the score. Our body remembers yeah. experiences. Um, and just like when you said, um, you know, earlier, um, you know, the natural genius, I immediately had <laughs> memories yeah. of Like that's Every how time. the brain works. Yeah, um, And so what you're saying here is that Part of this work is when these, when these, when we have the experience of feeling like a fraud or that imposter part pops in, that we can also pause, breathe, extend the exhale because mm-hmm. it's going to help switch off that fight or flight response and give our brain um, a chance to kind of expand its awareness yep. to to the and to the yep. I'm experiencing this and here's the context I'm experiencing mm-hmm. this and. I don't have to be perfect, and this is new, and I am capable, and I yes. deserve to slow down and to really integrate my successes and yes. my and what I am capable of doing and what I have already done. Um, and I get to pause and take a break because I'm human, and mm-hmm. that is like what mm-hmm. every human deserves and is worthy of without needing to earn it. It's just yes. something you're worthy of.
1: 100%. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my goodness, Kelly, this was so good and so fun uh, to get a chance to dive into this with you. Yes. Thank you. Okay, where where can people find you and your work and all the beautiful things you have to offer?
1: Yeah, so um, you can find me on the good old gram. Um, so uh, I, I sometimes even forget what my handle is, but it's drdr.kellyvinson and then um, also my website, so um, drkellyvinson.com. Um, And I have a few few resources, actually recent resources, um, downloads, free downloads on imposter syndrome that kind of breaks it down. And then crossing my fingers in the first week of April, I'm hoping to put out a sort of a mini e-course on this topic that really kind of dives deep into it, but not so deep where you're overwhelmed, but just enough. And then giving you kind of a Um, a guided approach on how to kind of manage and some of the things we've talked about today are definitely in there so it just gives a little bit more context behind it
0: amazing i will share all of the links in the show notes for anyone who's listening dr kelly vincent again thank you so much i am so grateful to know you and call you a friend and have you in my life and so grateful for you for coming on the podcast of course thank you so much for having me I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.